Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Hypothesis. I'm Killian. I'm Amandine. And today we're going to talk about circadian rhythm. So circadian rhythm is essentially like our day-night cycle. So because all the organisms on this planet have had to adapt to, you know, the sun being up sometimes and not being there sometimes, we have this thing called circadian rhythm so that things in our body or whatever the organism is um, correlate with the time of day and um, for certain activities. And it's actually much wider reaching than we originally thought. So there's actually quite a bit to talk about here. Um, yeah, and we yeah. actually, we got this idea from a listener who messaged us on Instagram. So thank you for the idea. It's actually a topic that we, well, I really love. Can't mm. speak for you, Killian, but... Oh, I did. I, I know I'm a fan. Yeah, it's a really yeah. interesting topic. So thank you so much. And if anyone else has any ideas, please feel free to like send us a message. And um, we have the Instagram handle and our email in the little description at whatever platform you're listening on. I'm sure it's there somewhere. So yeah, send us a message if you have any other ideas for us. But um, yeah, like Killian was saying, the circadian rhythm, it controls like our sleep-wake cycle, body temperatures, kind of when your hormones are released, all this sort of carry on. And each cell in your body has its own circadian rhythm. Um, and it's, in, in, it's controlled by not only those endogenous, so that, you know, I don't know how to explain endogenous. Yeah, internal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the internal cycles, but also by external stimuli called Zeitgebers. I thought it was Zeitgebers for ages, but I listened to like a couple of YouTube videos because I was like, no, I'm definitely wrong. But yeah, Zeitgebers and they're like timekeepers. So light is the most important one, like Kenny was saying, uh, sunlight. Mm. And it's actually heritable. So they found that you can keep things, organisms. I think one example is plants in like complete light or complete dark, but then their offspring actually have the circadian rhythm. So we know that there's lots of genes involved which we'll kind of get into a little bit of that and just kind of a fun fact of where circadian the word comes from it's I think it's Latin okay I could be wrong but whatever it is whatever language it comes from the circa means um around and dia is like day so it's like around a day Ah. rhythm so it's kind of around 24 hours most of the time but yeah just want to put that little bit of intro in there as well yeah so um this whole area was actually uh, worthy of a Nobel Prize win uh, quite recently in 2017. Uh, it was the Nobel Prize for Physiology or Medicine, and it was awarded to three different researchers, uh, Jeffrey C. Hall, uh, Michael uh, Rosbash, and Michael W. Young. Um, so they discovered the molecular mechanisms that actually control circadian rhythm. So they used fruit flies as their model organism, which is something mm-hmm. Amandine knows a lot more about. I've never <laughs> ever worked with flies. That's a genetics thing. And Amandine will talk a lot more about that and their discoveries. But their findings are like very broadly applicable to all animals and even to plants and other organisms uh, to different extents. So they discovered a gene called period, I think, that encodes yeah. a protein that builds up in the cells at night and it's de- degraded throughout the day. So it has this inhibitory feedback loop um, where the protein inhibits its own gene expression um, yeah. from what I understand. So the, so uh, there's the problem of how did the protein even get to the nucleus in the first place? That's where all the gene transcription occurs. Um, so one of these scientists, Michael W. Young, discovers that there's another gene called timeless that produced another protein that they call TIM, which is like, you know, sort of short for timeless, um, that binds to, the, to uh, the period protein and then leads to this inhibition so that this loop can be uh, stopped. 
So then there's other genes involved as well, like one called double time. And uh, I won't yeah. get too into the genetics. They stuff all because, have really cool names. Because yeah. I think I mentioned in one episode, and I was like, oh, they're named up, like genes are named after their mutants. And then I was like, oh my God, did I did I say all genes are named after their mutant phenotype? Because they're not. But yeah. Um, yeah, these ones tend, they're, they're actually named after what they do, sort of, yeah, which is pretty they, cool. Cause, yeah, they have really interesting names. And like yeah. this whole area is actually interesting for several reasons. So like, to understand something like jet lag, we need to know how a dysregulated body clock um, works. And, uh, and then yeah. in plants even. So you might notice that some plants, they sort of um, open or close depending on whether it's uh, day or night. Um, and one experiment uh, that uh, was related to this area showed that this happened even if the plant was left in the dark. So they have this, as yeah. Amandine said, this endogenous mechanism where like, even if they don't see light, their genetics are encoding this opening and closing because I assume it's sort of evolved that way because pretty much every plant is always going to be, you know, unless a person puts it somewhere, which it hasn't evolved to deal with um, in the day and night. So if it somehow loses the ability to sense it, maybe that's something that that's why they have that extra check to just open and close anyway at particular times. Yeah. So that's probably when the sun is going up and down. So that's yeah. interesting that we actually almost have this 24 hour cycle in our genes now because of evolution. Mm. Um, and then the whole area is also really important in, um, you know, the, the world we live in today, because we have like phones, um, we have lights that are constantly on, even at nighttime, we're not in complete darkness, like our ancestors yeah. used to be. Um, and then for shift workers in particular, who may have really different or dysregulated body clocks. And actually a statistic uh, that I found, which I thought was very interesting, was 20% of workers in Europe are shift workers. So, really? yeah, so there's quite a big market for like if you can figure out how to maybe negate some of the negative effects of having a dysregulated body mm. clock by working nights or something like that um yeah. you could actually balance things out and you know because some of those people are more prone to particular disease and stuff which is something we'll get into maybe a bit later yeah. um but yeah i think maybe you're going to give us a bit more genetic background yeah, yeah. Really so i suppose the whole point of having the clock in the first place is just to kind of maximize your ability to thrive in your environment and you're able to sort of adapt your behavior to the time of day and anticipate, you know, day and night and what's going to happen. And so in regards to the molecular mechanism, it kind of depends on what organism you're looking at. And obviously the Nobel Prize was found uh, in Drosophila. And I'm pretty sure Drosophila are nocturnal. Yeah, but so, just for people who don't know, I don't know if we said the word Drosophila yet, So that's fruit oh, fly. Sorry, yeah, fruit yeah, fly. Just in case we um, didn't say it, I'm not sure if we did. Yeah, um, fruit fly, Drosophila, same thing, little bugs. They, yeah, yeah that's what they, they're, they're often used as um, models for genetic manipulation, just because I think they breed, I actually don't know the exact reason, but they breed pretty fast. Um, mm. You know, their turnover rate is quick and you can visibly see the way they act. They're also really closely related well, not really closely related, but um, they're closely related to us as in their animals. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and I'm, I'm going to just kind of go through the molecular mechanism within Drosophila because as opposed to like in a human, because it's a bit simpler for sort of the, a gene that they would have, we would have, say, a family of genes, so multiple genes involved. Um, so it's kind of simpler to look at in them, but you can find homologs, they're called, which are just like genes that kind of, they're from the same ancestry. They might necessi not necessarily do the exact same thing, but they're often involved in the same pathway. So even if they're not functionally identical, they are kind of more or less doing the same job. Um, and so the Drosophilas, they 
have a 24-hour cycle like every other living thing more or less on the planet um, and they found mutants um, in these drosophilus so they were like arrhythmic so they don't have that 24-hour cycle or they have a shorter period or a longer period and just to note that anyways normally every not every, like all organisms don't necessarily have a strict 24-hour period you know it, there's a bit of a range there but they found kind of extreme mutants, which were much shorter, much longer. The exact times I should have probably found, but I didn't write them down, so I forget them. Um, and so the genes involved, as Killian mentioned, are the period gene, the timeless gene. Did you mention double time? I can't remember if you mentioned uh, that. I think I might have briefly mentioned that there's one called double time that I didn't know anything about. Yeah. So, so yeah. stop me if I am going a bit overboard or if you're getting confused, but I'm going to give a brief overview of how it okay. works. So there's not actually just one loop involved because you were mentioning this negative feedback loop there's a couple of them but I'm just going to mention the period one Mm. and so you have the period gene and that controls its own expression so when there's lots so let's say period is being transcribed you're getting lots of mRNA gets turned into protein and that protein goes back to the promoter of the gene and stops it from being transcribed Mm. and so then you're getting less and less protein and then that protein is getting degraded And so over time, then that stop that you've put on it gets kind of broken down and goes away Mm. and it can start being transcribed again. again. Yeah. Yeah, So it's just a cycle, Um, but it can't do it alone. So usually you have these, it's called, it's a heterodimer. So you have clock and cycle. They're two proteins that come together to activate the period uh, gene, gets turned on, gets transcribed, goes into the nucleus, gets turned into a protein where it gets broken down by double time, it's a kinase. So it, act, it oh. adds a, yeah, so it's that kind of- Phosphorylates it. Then. Yeah, phosphorylates yeah. it. So that kind of makes it unstable. Right. Um, but you have the, that other gene that you mentioned, timeless, which goes out into the cytoplasm as a protein and binds to period to make it more stable. And when it's stable like that, it can go back into the nucleus and it can bind to the cycle and clock heterodimer. and remove it from the promoter so it's no longer activated therefore suppressing its own transcription and that's basically how the loop works right so So, lots of interconnected proteins that are modifying each other and exactly yeah like a lot of things in biology yeah yeah there's also there's obviously more uh, genes and proteins involved in that than that but that's sort of the brief overview and then to connect it all to the light cycle you have these cryptochrome proteins, which are blue light sensitive, and they act to, so that usually they're in in an inactive form within the nucleus. And then when it's daytime, they get activated and they can degrade timeless. And so then the period uh, gets degraded by double time and it can't bind the clock and cycle heterodimer anymore. Mm. And that's how they sort of let go of it and and let the cycle start again. Right. Um, yeah, so a bit complicated, yeah. but that's sort of like the brief overview of how it works. And they found the way they obviously implicate certain genes and proteins is that they find mutants. So mm. for example, mutations in, peer, in the period gene lead to shortening or lengthening or actually complete abolishment of the cycling period. Oh. And you can get things like if you mutate timeless, you get an arrhythmic clock. So it just kind of turns on and off whenever. And the way you actually measure the phenotype is, 
Well, there's a couple of ways, but one way in the Drosophila is you put them in this little tube and you shine like a, I think it's an infrared beam through it. And the way, when they pass through it, you know that they're awake and they're moving. And so that's how you know if they're awake or asleep or not. Because I don't think they sleep the exact same way as us, where there's like a long period, but they have like little bites of sleep. That could be completely made up. With so that so what, how does the infrared detect if they're awake or asleep? Oh, because um, it shines through the tube. Right. And like it gets detected on the other side, but obviously okay. if the fly flies through it, it doesn't get detected on oh, the other right. side. Oh right! So if the fly is sleeping, it won't fly through. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. So okay. the light gets. I think that's how it works. Right, <laughs> yeah. right now. Yeah, that, that seems to make sense. I, I assume they shine it for a, a specific length of time to give the. Time. Yeah, they shine it all oh, the time. Right. Oh, all the it's time. Just like, ah. Yeah, it's all the time. Just oh, shining so they through, can tell so. if the if the light keeps flickering. It's like oh, it's obviously yeah, awake and keeps he's flying, awake right? and he, ah, yeah, I said that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So top they're only um, shining it once, it makes no sense at all. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry, it's <laughs> yeah. continuously on. And right. like in, I think in mice, the way they tell if they're awake or not is they have like a little wheel that makes loads of noise <laughs> if it runs oh. on it. So you can sense the noise you, or detect the noise. Or they have like, um, is it an infrared sensor? There's something to sense heat. I don't know what the thing oh, is called. Right. You know, like, like an a, infrared camera kind of thing? Yeah, or... Yeah. I don't know exactly what it is, but yeah, so they can, cause they can sense changes in body temperature because body temperature okay, changes yeah. with sleep and your wake. sleep yeah. cycle. Yeah. Cool. Um, but yeah, so obviously in mammals and humans, it's a little bit different. Um, and I think we mentioned that every cell has its own little oscillating yeah. system or its own clock. But, and, and you can see this, if you take cells out from your body, you can put them in a dish and they they'll have their clock, but the clock kind of, ticks out after a couple of days it doesn't keep that rhythm anymore and so you have this master clock or master regulator which controls it in in Mm. humans uh, it's called the suprachiasmatic nucleus and it's in the hypothalamus and this is the master circadian clock and my understanding for people who don't know by the way the hypothalamus is in the brain just in case people (laughs) don't know it's yeah, and that's thing. about all I know about yeah. it. I know absolutely <laughs> nothing else. Um, but yeah, um, what was I saying? Just that it, it's yeah, it's the master regulator. And I think the way it works is that it kind of keeps all your body clock and every cell ticking to the same okay. time. That's cool. Yeah. So the way obviously we said you you know that we're suited to the light cycle you know light and dark it's called entrainment I don't know if we mentioned that word yet but you entrain your clock so if your clock goes out of phase you can retrain it by being exposed to light so that's kind of how it works with jet lag you know your clock is ticking to the time zone you were in and when you move you retrain and you entrain your clock to the new time zone through different sensors and 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 is that the sensor for blue light you're talking about then is that does that connect to the master regulator I assume. So yes and no. In humans, oh. it's different. It's in humans the so that was the case the, in Drosophila, was it? Yeah, that was the case in Drosophila, and okay. we we also have that pro, it, the cryptochrome protein. I love it because yeah. <laughs> the abbreviation of it is cry, and that was me when I was writing my essay. I was like, yeah, cry. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we have them too, but they're different. The way it works in humans is we, from my understanding, because obviously I don't study physiology or whatever, so I don't mm. actually no but from my own independent research my understanding of it is we obviously see light through our eyes the mm. other thing with drosophila is that i'm pretty sure they have a, a light sensing thing on their head oh yeah i think not, I, I do vaguely remember that yeah. yeah they don't just sense light through their eyes so mm. they have different 
I, I don't think they have one master regulator like that's all in one place I think they okay. have little ones spread out but ours is all in one place in the brain right I think <laughs> and, and but, it's um, mainly regulated probably by blue light and stuff that's probably yeah a big so part of it what happens yeah. is we obviously detect light through if anyone did leaving through biology rods and cones they're the yeah. ones in the cells in the eye that detect light cones see for color and then rods whatever black and white, black and white light, yeah. I don't know. yeah yeah um and the message then gets turned from you know a light message to an electrical signal which gets sent to the brain and something that i had never thought about but i came across when i was looking up stuff for this is the circadian rhythm in people that are blind because oh, obviously yeah. they can't see light so how mm. are they entrained to the daylight cycle that we have and it turns out that not all of them are. It depends what kind of blind you are, like how you became blind or, or what's causing right. it. And so what they found was that you have your rods and cones, grand, whatever. If you get rid of them, you can actually still, in some people, be entrained to the daylight cycle. And what they found is that you can be subconsciously, like even though you're not consciously detecting light, subconsciously you are because they have these... Um, retinal ganglion cells they are some sort of neuron that so you would have like your rods and cones sort of the outermost ones and you can you have more cells you know going back into your head closer to the brain and one of those is the retinal ganglion cells and they actually have a light sensing protein or something called some light gets all the way back there yeah i mean yeah so melanopsin and so you can actually detect light subconsciously and in that way you can be entrained to you know you can Ooh. have a circadian rhythm that actually is entrained to the the environment that you're in so not a, not all blind people can do this um, unfortunately right. you know if for example your eyes were surgically removed or hmm. you had some sort of developmental issue where they don't develop properly then you can't be entrained and they are looking for at different ways that you can i don't know make people because obviously there are other cues, you know, things like social interaction, when you eat, stuff like that. But they don't work as well as light to, okay. you know. I was, I was wondering, could those sort of things like the time you eat and socializing and stuff, could that sort of take over in people who are blind as like an extra thing for yeah. the mass rate? But it doesn't to the same extent? No, from what I found, okay. it doesn't. Um, That's interesting. Which is unfortunate. But yeah. there's this um, hormone called melatonin which is yes I was actually going to talk a bit about that yeah yeah so it's released I'm not going to go that much into it but just before you go to sleep kind of thing is my understanding it's like a sleep signal um and I think that you can take that as a pill maybe or or you can can take melatonin yeah I believe so yeah and so in that way I think they can try you know get people that aren't you know whose circadian rhythm is off to try get them back on track Mm. um yeah by taking it orally and then maybe you know having set meal times taking coffee you know they have ways of going around it but mm. yeah just kind of they've have different ways of like pharma- pharmacological yeah <laughs> uh, ways of trying to fix clocks that are desynchronized because the other thing is that like i mentioned not everyone's clock is 24 hours and um, you right. know you're a little bit before a little bit behind you can be phase advanced or phase delayed where you're not exactly in phase with the light cycle. And I think this is where people get the idea of like night owls or like early birds and things like yeah, that. Yeah, I definitely know some people who are out of phase. Yeah. <laughs> you do all their work we won't at name night. Names, yeah. But uh, you know who you are. Yeah. Um 
But yeah, the other thing is that you can put um, organisms into a constant light phase, so like complete darkness or complete light. And that way you can see their free running clock. So mm. that's just sort of letting it loose, you know, not suiting it or like not entraining it to the environment that you're in. Yeah. And I couldn't find exact studies, but kind of from reviews and like the little bits that I heard is that um, they can go to crazy amounts of like 36 hour days and like nights. Wow. And, and you're pushed by things like homeostasis, as in your drive to sleep isn't set now because, oh, it's dark outside. It's time to sleep. It's like I haven't slept in such a long time. I need to My do this. He's obviously tired. I should see yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. So you, you get your cues from from other ways, but yeah, right. that's just kind of a brief overview of how that works. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. But yeah, I think the blue light uh, thing in particular is interesting, especially because there's so many, you know, this are sort of being marketed in a way, you know, things like you have apps on your phone or a lot of phones have yeah. in their settings now where you can like turn off blue light. So you're, so mm-hmm. everything looks a little bit more orangey and you're yeah. supposed to, and it, like in some phones, it automatically turns on. I have it on mine, so it automatically turns on after like nine or ten p.m. So that yeah. things start to look a bit more orangey. So supposedly, it you know makes your yeah, body less likely to do, think it's daytime. Yeah, we do have the cryptochrome proteins that are yeah. the, the same blue. Like we have blue light sensors, but I couldn't really find or understand <laughs> yeah, how and, they are actually related because, like, uh, I'm assuming that uh, a cell that's in internal like i don't know a liver cell or something isn't going to have a light sensing protein produce like why would it makes no sense there's no light that goes there um but yeah maybe in your maybe they're just in your eyes or something yeah i don't know know, because then there's also you know those companies marketing like blue light glasses oh i want to get them i think i said it before (laughs) literally the last time we recorded (laughs) oh please people let me know are they good or not i just i need need to be convinced blue blue light glasses reviews yeah um (laughs) But yeah, I think uh, one thing that's very interesting is how this whole area like impacts obviously like health and disease and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, like one thing that's known is if people have dysregulated body clocks, they're much more prone to auto-inflammatory diseases. So like, for example, IBS and things like that. So, and then one really interesting thing that you touched on a little bit with melatonin is uh, actually like mood disorders. So our yeah. circadian rhythms can really impact our, our mood and there are successful treatments for many mood disorders that like rely on changing this back. Um, so like several forms of depression even can be linked to regulation of the body clock. So one of the like most well-known examples of this is something called seasonal affective disorder, SAD. Um, so like SAD is the uh, sort of acronym for it. But uh, where it, and these patients have altered circadian cycles because they have uh, altered levels of that hormone melatonin that you talked about that sort of signals you oh, to sleep. Okay. Yeah. So um, like as the name suggests, the seasonal affective disorder, it is seasonal. So it affects people mostly during the winter. So when there isn't much daylight around mm-hmm. um, because your body clock starts to get a bit more dysregulated. And so maybe these people have some sort of genetic predisposition or something where they're more affected by the lack of light during winter. So it really affects their mood. Um, so the symptoms of this SAD can actually be alleviated through the administration administration of melatonin so you can actually yeah. give people melatonin as you said like orally um or you can actually use this uh sort of bright light called an sad light um mm. I've, I've seen this before where you have this sort of sort of very bright light you can put like in the corner of your room or something and if you put it in the right place like when you're working or whatever you're doing it's sort of it's like it's daylight 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it shines a light in your whole room. So, you know, you're activating hopefully this, these same proteins and receptors that sense the light and your body mm-hmm. sort of thinks, oh, it's the sun's bright, you know? Yeah. And it sort I of actually that, affects your mood. Yeah. One of the things about artificial light is that we think, oh, look, it's it's bright. Like there's a light on, but actually it's really not as bright as the sunlight. And that yeah. when we go outside, it's much brighter. Like we can't tell by looking at it. Or like, cause you know, cause we're obviously sitting. You get in, used to it, in, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you get used to it, but that it's actually really not as bright. And I'm not sure that it can entrain the clock as well as as actual yeah, sunlight. I'm pretty sure it doesn't do as well. But you can get these lights that are specifically for that, so they're much brighter yeah, than yeah. a normal light. But I'd say mm-hmm. it's not quite the same as having the sun as normal hours. But it seems to have, uh, you know, good impacts on, yeah. on people. I'm just talking it? about a normal yeah. light. I, I mean, yeah. I don't know anything about those in particular, but just yeah, I assume they're brighter. I think that's the the idea. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, another interesting thing is like this whole idea of chronotherapy. So then taking therapeutics at particular times to maximize their either beneficial effects or to minimize their negative side effects. So one yeah. thing I came across by reading these reviews and stuff was this drug. This is, as far as I know, the only drug that's been like completely pinned down to definitely um, like have different impacts depending on the time of day you take it. But it's thought that this will be you know, shown to be true for many, many more drugs. That it's just a matter of time. This is a very new area. Um, yeah. So this this drug, I'm going to try to pronounce it. Um, <laughs> oxaliplatin, oxaliplatin, maybe. So yeah, it's a it's good. a it's a drug that's effective in treating colorectal cancer. Mm-hmm. But um, it, like many drugs to treat cancer, it has nasty side effects. So it's sort of one of these sort of general um, drugs that kills a lot of cells. So, mm-hmm. it, it, yeah, it was this first major example of a drug that the time of administration has an impact. Um, so if you take it at particular times a day, you actually get much more beneficial um, oh, results yeah. than uh, the negative side effects. So okay. and, and some of this depends on the patient's body clock, I believe, um, and that sort of thing. So they have to, you know, try at different times sometimes and see really? uh, what time actually suits them to get the best benefit out of it, which okay. is really interesting. Um, And a lot of the studies that actually showed um, sort of the impact of this kind of thing on the immune system and on treatments um, have been done on mice. And Mm -hmm. a lot of the research I've been reading about, because part of what inspired me to get interested in this topic was listening to um, podcasts and actually attending like an online talk from Dr. Annie Curtis, who's in RCSI. Mm -hmm. Um, And she has this um, clock lab that basically is looking at these things all, all the time, which is really cool. Um, so she showed that uh, mice have better dendritic cell responses. So you might remember dendritic cells if you've listened to any other immunology <laughs> thing I talked about. Dendritic cells are probably my favorite immune cell. They they are the ones that are best at presenting antigens to uh, your lymphocytes. So essentially, they're the ones saying this thing is dangerous. Remember what this looks like. Um, so uh, I should know so, what that is. I still need you to explain it. To me. <laughs> I've um, talked about it so many times. Yeah. Uh, so she found that in these mice that um, the dendritic cells um, were better at uh, dusk and they were worse at dawn in terms of their yeah. function of um, like showing your immune system what proteins to attack. So better at dusk, worse at dawn. Um, and also found that if you knock out uh, a transcription factor um, called BMAL1, so this is something that regulates genes, um, you actually lose um, this changing responses at different times and it just is sort of okay all the time rather than being yeah. really good at one time and bad at another time. Because this BMAL1 is a transcription factor that's important in 
several of these clock genes that you mentioned. Yeah, you actually, you yeah. mentioned it to me earlier and I was like, I've never heard of that. I don't know what yeah. you're talking about, whatever. But I looked it up <laughs> and oh. I think it's similar. Remember I was describing the clock and cycle genes that, you know, bind the promoter yeah. of, yeah, it, it's one of those. Yeah, I think okay. it works with clock though in humans. In humans, yes, I think yeah, it's yeah, clock. Yeah, it works with and, clock, yeah. Yeah. So it's sort of like the replacement of cycle. Yeah, so clock is another gene in case you forgot what you've done, what yeah. we're talking about works with clock. <laughs> Sounds a bit weird. But um, so then, you know, you might think from this sort of thing, well, if these dendritic cells that are showing your body what's good and what's bad, whatever, um, if, if they're better at dusk, then surely we should be doing things like giving vaccines in the evening. But mm. it's important to remember that mice are nocturnal. So everything that's found in mice is actually the opposite in humans. Yeah, and and again, she showed this to be true by looking at um, like human cells grown in dishes, and it's the opposite. The dendritic cells are better performing at dawn rather than dusk. Yeah, so I, yeah, yeah. No, sorry, I was just going to say I don't understand how they. It, it, like I understand mice are nocturnal. Grand in the lab, though, is it dark? Like, ha, do they have them? Do they have them in artificial light so that they're subjective? night is our actual day i i think what they do is yeah i think they can in the lab through light sort of get the mice into a particular rhythm and they try to keep it you know so that it's it's applicable to work with the researchers as well you know that the researchers don't want to be coming in at strange hours although they sometimes have to do that the researchers in this area because obviously they're studying particular cycles yeah i just don't i never that just yeah it just I had never really thought about it properly before and I don't actually know how it works but yeah um yeah maybe they're in dark all day so that they're awake when we're awake yeah and then at night time they're in light so that they sleep I think it might be something like that yeah I'm actually not too sure myself yeah I don't know but um yeah consistent with all this like dendritic cell and stuff it has actually been shown just through you know big studies looking at vaccination times and that sort of thing that the flu vaccine is actually more effective when it's given in the morning and um, compared to when it's given in the evening yeah so we don't know is this true of other vaccines it's probably quite likely to be true because a lot of um you know imagine all vaccines because they work through dendritic cells would have similar effects so i wonder could this even be true of covid vaccines so should we be trying yeah. to get as many vaccines done in the morning as possible um, and they should just be trying to get as many vaccines done as possible like, yeah, at this that, stage. That would be, I don't think they could be, be great. picky about times. <laughs> that is true. We are in a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but if they have if they have a, a limited amount, you know, they maybe should be giving them in the morning rather than, than yeah, in the evening. Maybe. Um so then what you know, what's the actual mechanism for this? That's uh, what I was wondering, because it's one thing being like, oh, the dendritic cells do this thing in the morning, this thing at night. I was like, why though? You know, yeah. that's 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 what I'm always interested in finding out. Like, it's that's one thing it. saying that. A real that, scientist. Yeah. <laughs> Why though? <laughs> that's that's the most important question in science. Why it though? <laughs> um, so um, this uh, doctor Curtis's lab found that um, there's actually more mitochondrial fusion at dawn. So the mi- mitochondria are these um, powerhouse. Of the cell. Yeah, the powerhouse of the cell. Yeah. That's true. They produce a lot of energy, essentially. This organelle, uh, we talked in our uh, evolution of life episode, Life Goes On, about mitochondria and how they first got into our cells many, 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 many years ago. Um, <laughs> and uh, they essentially produce a lot of energy. And they can fuse together to form like basically one or a few like really big mitochondrion. Um, mm-hmm. And these make even more energy through this process called oxidative phosphorylation. 
So I didn't know they could do that. Yeah. So uh, cool. they fuse together a lot more in the morning, it seems. So um, this lab found that like, you can actually boost the responses at dusk um, by promoting mitochondrial fusion. So it actually seems to be really dependent on the mitochondria being fused together. So it's not just the fact that it's morning. If it's at night when the mitochondria usually aren't fused and you force them to fuse, they'll be as good as they are in the morning. So that's actually what mm. it is in those cells. Is now, it obviously, just, is so, it that sorry? they have more energy? Yeah, is so it it's essentially they have more, more, more energy through oxidative phosphorylation. This allows them to carry out, um, the, the study went into all of this, but essentially helps them bring together all the machinery to present antigens. So to actually show, um, oh, okay. you know, dangerous proteins and process them and all that kind of thing, because yeah. that does take a lot of energy. So, um, and then it turns out that this transcription factor BMAL1 actually controls the level of calcium transporters. And it was actually mm-hmm. the level of calcium that tells the mitochondria whether to fuse or not to fuse. Yeah. So it's I all actually, linked. Yeah. So yeah. the transcription did, factor. Yeah. I saw stuff about how like that master clock regulator sends signals. There's like calcium or potassium signals or something. And that's how yeah. they like send a signal of this is the time and Exactly. It's all connected, Ron. It's all connected. It is all connected. Yeah. So levels of calcium and potassium and these other things are actually what tell different cells sort of what time it is or and yeah. dictates how good they are at certain things. Because the thing is, I assume you might imagine like why would there not just be lots of calcium all the time promoting lots of mitochondrial fusion? Why should you be worse at something at a certain time of day? But because yeah. some of these processes are very energy intensive, it makes sense that you wouldn't be using loads of energy all the time because we wouldn't have evolved that because we might not have been able to have that much energy. Yeah. So um, we had to prioritize and say, maybe we are more likely to encounter pathogens in the morning. And that's sort of the theory that um, when we get up and start being active, we need to be ready to encounter diseases and stuff. Whereas when we're starting yeah. to sort of go to bed and that kind of thing, we're probably less likely to encounter a pathogen. That makes so, sense. Yeah. So it, it was really interesting. And another interesting thing was that this transcription factor BMAL1 if you knock it out completely in mice, these mice are way more likely to uh, become obese. So it actually has an impact in yeah. obesity as well. And yeah. this is something that's only recently been looked at this whole link between obesity and the immune system and all that. It's a really hot area at the moment. And I wonder, is that part of this too? Yeah, so. definitely. Um, I saw lots of stuff about obesity and the circadian mm. rhythm kind of being connected. But I think that they haven't found any causative like you know i think it's all just correlation at the moment yeah but trying to figure out the mechanism yeah but i think that is definitely something um and also like anxiety i think was was related as well but yeah definitely obesity Mm. was one of them yeah so yeah so essentially it could be interesting that some therapies could work better in the morning or at night and uh, you know and this is because um you know when you haven't figured out all the mechanisms that's one of the reasons this mitochondrial fusion and uh, interestingly, another thing, allergy, which is largely driven by an immune signal, a cytokine called IL-6, it peaks in the morning. So this is consistent with the idea that like, we have to be ready when we wake up to like, mm. um, you know, face pathogens. Whereas even when it's an allergic reaction, our body obviously doesn't know that's something harmless. But it's, so if someone has, let's say, hay fever, it's going to be way worse in the morning because their body is like, oh, I'm ready to fight this pollen. <laughs> so, so that's why, you know, if people have allergies, you wake up and that's as, probably as bad as it's going to be for the whole day in the morning. Nice. And so like by the evening, I even know myself, I get hay fever. And by yeah, the evening, same. by the, the evening, <laughs> um, 
it's not just because there's less pollen, but by the evening, your immune system is less active. So you actually don't feel too bad by the evening. Is there, wait, is there less pollen in the evening? I think there's also less pollen. That could be be also why there's less, like if there's going to be less, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting, the correlation and causation. But um, yeah, as far as I know, they they have linked to that. I'm not sure exactly how, but that's a good question. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then um, another thing I read was that people are so there's lots of things like because inflammation is higher in the morning so your immune system like i think your whole body a lot of its processes are more active like certain organs are more active at certain times of day and people are actually much more likely to have heart attacks in the morning a lot of people who like have heart attacks or die of heart attacks actually die early in the morning which is actually a reason why um i i I think there's several there's several processes that are more active in the morning so even if we take just the immune system as an example, if you have to pump more blood around to get those immune cells, you know, active and ready to go, your heart will have to pump faster. So that it's obviously linked to more things in the immune system, but that's just one thing I thought of. So yeah, yeah. so it's interesting. So is there a way we could sort of, you know, change the the clock cycle in people who are prone to having heart attacks to maybe be less intense, less of like this, big fluctuation between day and night that maybe it's a little bit more calm just let that the peaks are smaller if you know what i mean in this yeah, cycle yeah. because that might actually reduce the risk of heart attacks so there's lots of you know uh, mm. potential impacts for this whole area of research it's really yeah. interesting that is interesting i didn't think of that um i was looking at this uh, study they did in an old people's home kind of people older people living in in care homes and they were seeing what was the effect of changing the lights to blue lights, like stronger oh. blue lights. Or, or they were like blue light enriched or something like this. Um, but basically they have like a control period where it's just normal lighting, whatever. Then they had a break. Like, I don't understand what that break was because I was like, surely it would just be the normal lights as well. Or maybe they used dimmer lights at the start and then like medium and then the blue light enriched. But yeah, I didn't care enough to properly go into it. They were explaining like the wavelength and all. And I was like, I actually have no idea what's going well, on. Physicists. Yeah, yeah, we don't know. We don't understand. But um, they were just looking for effects on like activity, um, you know, mood, how well they yeah. slept, alertness, things like that. They never slept. There's too much blue light. <laughs> yeah, well, that was actually maybe close yeah. enough to the results. But <laughs> really? well. Basically, they were just saying that like older people and um, when if you're living in a care home, first of all, when you get older, you're sort of you get like age related degeneration of, yeah. say, vi- being able to see properly or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, things like this. Yeah. where you, you can't really see things. And also maybe they don't go outdoor as mu- outdoors as much and inside the lighting is dim. And so they're just already not as they're kind of light deprived i suppose yeah, yeah. Uh, more so than they would be if, yeah. if you were younger and if you weren't in a home staying and... inside yeah okay. exactly and so that's why they were like okay we want to see like how these blue lights what what they do and they found that there was an increase in daytime activity which is yay nice. that's good reduced anxiety also oh, we, we approve but then there's also increased nighttime activity which oh. is not I, I mean you could be like oh that sounds fine <laughs> but no it was not ideal increased nighttime activity yeah it reduced sleeping they didn't oh, right. sleep as yeah. oh no it reduced sleeping efficiency efficiency that's the oh. words they used they didn't sleep as well and like the, the quality of the sleep was was bad so basically what they found was that it was like yeah okay they do some good things but also some bad things 
So really, they didn't find yeah. much in the study, but I just thought it was yeah. interesting. And they found no effects on like daytime alertness or performance or anything like that. Oh. But so like obviously blue light, they do fa- find that it it, affa- it does affect your mood and like yeah. anxiety and things like that. But is it worth it for to not sleep as well? And I also saw they were looking at using not using blue light, but recommending people with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder to go out in the light more because I think you know they they'd be getting nightmares so they don't sleep as well and obviously sleep deprivation is bad <laughs> like I mean yeah. there's no other way like it's just bad and so they were like okay if you go out in the light more you know you can trigger these signals in your body to right. kind of you know go to sleep, sleep better and, yeah yeah so Hopefully, I mean I don't know what how much how yeah how helpful that actually was but mm. they are trying to use like natural I mean just not like no drugs or chemical stuff to kind of fix sleeping patterns in people who have whose circadian rhythm is kind of off so they're doing that by making them not making them I'm sure they're volunteering (laughs) to do it but like you know to take like the the melatonin and caffeine and waking up at a certain time going to sleep at a certain time eating at a certain time doing these things exercise is another thing also I was thinking so exercise is a cue for something in the clock and I was wondering if you exercise at night does that affect mm. I never looked into yeah, it yeah actually There's that is interesting like, I, I used to surely, exercise at night all the time yeah loads of people do yeah um but surely it, it wouldn't be something that you would do when you're going to sleep like or mm. before you go to sleep because there's this thing called was it a sleep you mean naturally gate? it wouldn't be yeah yeah, yeah. Like there's this sleep gate. So remember I was talking about the homeostasis of like, you're getting really, really tired yeah, um, because you haven't slept in so long and also your circadian rhythm. So like the sleepiness goes up. Let's say if you're looking at a graph, the sleepiness yeah. goes up. The circadian rhythm is kind of going down because like you're going to sleep. Um, yeah. And there's like this big gap then between the homeostasis kind of signal and, and the circadian rhythm signal signal and that kind of opens up this thing called a sleep gate and so within that period you'd go to sleep and and then whatever your need for sleep drops and then your circadian goes up and they like hit like they you know the lines meet and then they separate again and okay just I just thought that graph was cool so (laughs) I know and I know that no one can see the graph and so it's just me explaining but when I saw it yeah and the other thing is oh sorry go ahead no I was just going to say that the circadian rhythm isn't just um you know for day-to-day events you you know there's also this being entrained to the light cycle which I don't know if that's the definition exactly of the circadian rhythm but uh, being able to sense light can also affect annual events like that scene especially in in plants like a tree leaves falling off a tree for example right they can and they can tell that by not only the temperature changes but also the shorter hours of light during the day Mm. and so cycles like this and being able to sense your environment doesn't just affect you know day-to-day activities actually i just remembered from some of our lectures in evolution and behavior stuff on how global warming is changing how certain plants and animals are interacting with each other because there's certain birds for example or plants that rely on like okay when it's this temperature i do this or whatever and now that that's changing a lot there are birds that are just like flying at the wrong times, like <clears throat> getting caught in storms or, you know, it, it's actually really messing nature up, you know, because yeah. the 
circadian rhythm of nature, part of it relies on temperature, mm. um, which, which is interesting. Yeah, because I, I assume the the day and night, the actual level of light, maybe I wonder is that even impacted by pollution? Surely, you know, the more I pollution mean, there is, the less light there is, there is coming through, and you know, to some extent, yeah, yeah, so so yeah, so you'd, you'd wonder what impact we're all having um, through pollution on. The circadian yeah. rhythm as well both for ourselves and for all organ organs yeah i think all it's other becoming organisms. a big yeah. thing for yeah humans to like think about the circadian rhythm i think maybe in popular culture it's kind of coming up a bit more people are yeah. using it for things like i don't know like gym i don't know what the yeah. terminology is but like gymming properly or like yeah, yeah. you know to get the best out of your your day and like going outside is and getting sunlight I don't know, mm. maybe it's just me being exposed to these things, but I'm seeing it more and more. Yeah, no, I think I see it a bit more as well. As opposed to just in within science or, yeah, or something yeah. that's academic. But I think even um, in science, it was sort of, you know, a small group of researchers that were interested in it and everyone else sort of didn't think it really applied to their field. And now I think it's starting yeah. to really open up. People are like, wait, yeah. this actually kind of affects everything. It's so, so cool. It actually yeah. is really cool. And I was talking to someone the other day who was like, yeah okay everything cycles and what like that's fine and I was like that's a fair point of view I actually feel like that about a lot of things so I appreciated that point of view but I was like no but you need to hear that like it's actually this this and this and like it's it actually is really interesting and there was a study done um uh, you might remember it I think it was in our behavior lectures I don't know if it was exactly looking at circadian rhythm but what they did was they had a bird in a in a I'm assuming it was a cage of some kind, but I'm remembering it in a room because I think that's what the picture was. On the yeah, screen. yeah. I think I know what you're talking about. I think we might have mentioned this in another episode, but I don't oh, know. Oh, did we? Well, Maybe. it was basically just that um, they changed the light cycle for the bird. So that. Yeah. And then they flew in the wrong it, direction. Yeah. No, that that's one? a different no? one. No, oh, that's, that's a different one. one. Never mind. But I do remember that one as well. <laughs> that's the one I thought was really funny. That I, I felt really bad for laughing about. Okay, well, I'll tell you about that one in a second. But this right. one, because that's unrelated, but it's still funny. No, it's not funny. It's not funny. <laughs> it's interesting. Okay, so. The <laughs> it's not even funny. I don't know why you're <laughs> It's laughing. funny. Sorry, I'm just, I'm sorry. It's just like, we don't need to go into this again because we talked about this in another episode. But it's just the fact that they opened up this room or whatever it was and wanted to see would the birds find the right direction. And they flew in the complete opposite direction because they trained them to think the light was coming from a different direction. I know that's so bad. Oh, yeah. I'm just imagining was- this researcher like looking and they're like, oh, there they go. No, it's like, I'm never going to catch they- them. They're going the it's wrong the way. There was mirrors. So the mirrors bent yes, the light. That was so it. that's the bird thought it was coming from a different, yes, it was a different yeah. time of day. But anyway. there was another one. Sorry, I thought you were talking about the other one. There was another one with birds <laughs> where it's actually so sad. They have a bird that should be migrating. And he's like standing on an ink pad. Oh, yeah. And, no, this one is sad. Yeah. I, forgot. So Wait, I don't when, think we mentioned this in the other episode. Oh, well, anyway. when the birds, when its flock is like flying, say, north, then the bird starts jumping north. Like, because yeah. it kind of slopes out or something and it leaves ink marks on, yeah. on the wall. So you can see which way it's jumping. And it actually turns out that the bird kind of goes the same direction that its flock is migrating in. So yeah, so it's sort of like remembered time. the route. So like yeah, go north for this route. long, west for this long. Yeah. yeah. Which so is so sad. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not even what I was going to talk about. I was yeah, going to talk anyway. about the bird where they just gave it the wrong time. So like <laughs> like, at, hey mate, it's three o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> it was like tw- <laughs> 
Sorry, Killian's actually pissing himself. He thinks he's. I thought that was so funny. It, it they gave the bird the wrong time. Oh Sorry. god. Anyway, what they do you mean by that? As in the the they just changed the light cycle in that specific room. Oh right, yeah. <laughs> so they that didn't just tell him the wrong, put the wrong clock on the wall. So it was in like at twelve noon. In actual time, yeah, they had it so that it was like six a.m. Yeah, in terms of the light, yeah, not like in terms dark. of the yeah. yeah, in terms of the light. <laughs> Anyways, it doesn't matter. The point is that the bird did stuff to like the clock that was in the room. Like it was entrained by the light in its room as opposed yeah, to knowing yeah, actually yeah. what time it was outside. Yes. That's all I wanted that's to it. say. It took me a while to get there, but that's that was <laughs> yeah, the point of the story. A few pointless anecdotes in the meantime and yeah. tangents. But which just I forgot that we had done that and thought I should bring it up again. <laughs> yeah. Those but poor yeah. birds. I know. That's actually so sad. It's I don't but, know. but now we know how these things work, you know? Yeah, I suppose. And I'm sure they like those birds were retrained then, you know what I mean? I doubt they just like. Well, finished. yeah, it's just like jet yeah. lag, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Just it. giving the bird jet lag and we learn a lot from it. It's grand. <laughs> it's not like they're like, oh, thanks for that. And then they killed the bird. Like they, they had no need what? to analyze the bird. Like, so they didn't do that, I'm sure. I'm sure they just let it go. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know for did. sure. But I like to think that they just let the bird go. Yeah. And I just had a bit of jet lag and I told all his friends, oh man, it's <laughs> like it was 3 p.m. It was actually like 6 a.m. It's mad. <laughs> Mental. They gave me the wrong time. Yeah. Um, Anyways, that's anyway, all I wanted yeah, I think to that's say. It. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was, that was an interesting one. I think it's one of the, it's probably the episode I did the most research for, but actually didn't even have like the most to talk about compared to other episodes yeah. because I just, a lot of it was very, complicated we didn't want to go too deep into those molecular mechanisms even though we had to to some extent but yeah well, we it's a really interesting area anyway sorry everyone <laughs> i think <laughs> just subject you to that thanks <laughs> kidding so yeah I think, I think that's all i want to say anyway Anything yeah same thanks you? so much for listening everyone and like we said thanks. at the start if you do have any ideas please let us know we like hearing from you yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah yeah email or instagram they're in our podcast description thing so yeah it is exactly yeah. So yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks. See you again soon. Well, we won't <laughs> yeah, see, we'll you, see you. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, we don't know when. <laughs> next week, maybe. <laughs> hopefully, next week. Yeah, Bye. hopefully. Bye.